And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello to everyone. Yes, it is another edition of the Weighing In Podcast with my main man, the punk, Josh Thompson, ready to give all of the insight on the things that happened in UFC 283 from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. My man, you're sitting there all stoic, all ready to go. I'm not going to give you a chance, so I'm just going to keep talking here so you can't talk or you can't get anything out. What's up? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. It's uh, it's a little past 4 a.m. here, and uh, you guys can hear it in my voice. I was coaching all day yesterday, so my voice is kind of gone shot. I was I missed my Chiefs playing in the playoffs, but we got some gold medals brought home, baby, baby boy. It was so cool to see, man. The kids were tearing it up. My voice is gone. I still have a little bit of a headache because I was yelling so much, but it was crazy, man. Jiu-Jitsu World League puts on a great um. Puts on a great tournament for the kids. They put on they, a classy tournament. They, they really do. do. It's so well organized. I mean, like, you show up and your match, like, your match isn't always at, like, 11 o'clock, but they have the kids lined up. They walk them to the mat. They have it organized. Kids are competing within that hour. They have every hour they've got their the next weight classes, the next belts or whatever it is. Um, it was awesome, man. We had about 18 kids compete yesterday, and I'd say only two of them left without medals, which is nice. So they did a great job. The kids competed and did really well, man. It was awesome. Good time. Good time. Always good makes time. you feel good, man, when you work with kids and then they you everything that you worked on and stuff, all of a sudden they put it out there and they actually use it and it yeah. works for them and they get the wins or they just perform well. Even if they don't get the win, it's okay. It just makes you feel good. I mean, shit, I've been working with fucking Podcast Dave for about six years now. He hasn't performed. So we're fucking, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how to get this guy to perform somehow, some way. Some things but, are just, you know, are just never meant to be. Yeah. Shit, man, we're stuck. <laughs> but hey, guys, before we get into UFC 283 and this pay-per-view with Sharon Hill, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Hit the little thumbs up, man. We really need that. Let's help that algorithm push our podcast and uh, let's, so we can do more content. That's the biggest thing we want to do is we want to be able to produce more content, but we need you guys' help. So hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifications as well. And uh, that'll be good because we're going to be dropping some special shows for you guys uh, throughout this year. And you guys want to be the first ones to hear us. So uh, hit that subscribe button. Also go to WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our um, hoodies, new, new designs on the shirts, clothes, apparels, hats. And John loves the hats. And uh, I love, we got our old logo, new logo. We got a bunch of new designs that are up there as well. So, WayneInMerch.com. All right, John, let's go ahead and bust right into this uh, into this uh, show. Let's go right into this main event. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's nah. be honest. We have a new champion in Jamal Hill. Someone who a lot of people would never would have thought was going to get in the position at this point in his career. Now 12-1. and one. He's got the one loss to Paul Craig that, you know, shit can happen, man, but... Man, he performed so well, Josh. Mm -hmm. He performed with a lot of, you know, composure. His fight IQ was there. I was I was really impressed. Why after watching, you know, that loss to, to Paul Craig, I was worried about like on the ground. I thought Glover, you know, definitely had the, the big advantage. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. Athleticism wise, just taking the right time, not panicking and being composed like I'm talking about 
gets himself up out of bad positions multiple times. That's what a guy who is, you know, going to be the champ does. That's what a guy who is showing that, you know what, I'm a complete mixed martial artist. I may not be the jujitsu expert that he is. I don't need to be. I need to be the guy that knows when and where to get up, how to get up, and go back to doing what I'm doing that is working so well. Look, he took some big shots too, man. And he's got it. We, we knew he had a good chin. We've seen that in his past fights. We knew that he's got power. And the other thing that you look at is, again, composure. When you are hitting a guy with big shots, shots that normally have ended fights for you, in the back of your mind when it doesn't end and the guy stays in there, it works against you at a point like, God damn it, when, what do I have to hit this guy with? And he just kept rolling. He just kept coming. I was super impressed with his performance. Uh, yeah, I was impressed with the fact that he was able to get up after he did get taken down. He didn't let that deter him from letting his hands go. He also learned from it after he did get taken down. He started moving and getting on his bike a little bit more with the sticking and moving. And we talked about last week. The uppercut was key. The uppercut was setting up and keeping the hands up high. So he's going here and then keeping the elbows of Glover uh, pinched together so it was harder to get in, but she was also opening up the face. He did a great job of just touching and touching, not overcommitting. He fought a very Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz style fight with great takedown defense. There was many of times in that first two rounds that Glover got in real deep on the, t on the, on the single yeah. leg dump and he couldn't get the takedown, couldn't get the dump. And he fought his way, even when he did get taken down, fought his way right back up to his feet after a little bit of a scare here and there, but he still was able to get back to his feet, came out the back door, especially later in the fight, and just got to the top, got back to his feet. Great job by him. I was really impressed with his composure. The way that he was able to continue fighting in that fourth and fifth didn't look like he, didn't look like he lost a step. Everything was kind of going his way. And when everything's going your way, you feel like, you're light on your feet. You feel like things aren't missing. And he can just, I think he could just see the damage on Glover's face, that big gash over Glover's right Wait, who eye. Who couldn't see the damage on his face? No, I said, I think he could. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, I mean, like, you, it was nasty. Well, it was funny. You listen to the commentary. Oh, I didn't realize the cuts were that bad. Did you not see it? Like a fucking crater on his face. Yeah. It was this huge, just canyon right across his eyelid. I was like, holy shit. But, um, I thought he fought a great fight. Okay, all of those things being said, John, let me ask you this. Is he a product of a aging weight class? Yes. No doubt about it. You know, if there's a if there is a weight class that the UFC has had that was one of their centerpieces, it was their star star maker, it was the light heavyweights. Yeah. Absolutely. Go back to, you know, when you're taking a look at the runs of people in that, you know, weight class. You had the Randy Coutures, you had Vitor Belfort, you had Chuck whoa, Liddell whoa, whoa, coming whoa, in. Whoa, 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 You can't skip over Frank Shamrock, man. I mean, you know. Well, that was, uh, he was the original. Okay, hold on, hold on. When I say that, see, Frank started, he was, it was considered middleweight mm -hmm. back then because it was 200 pounds and under. Mm -hmm. 200 pounds and over was heavyweight. 200 pounds and under was middleweight. And then Frank actually it was heavy. I think it was called light heavyweight when he fought uh, Tito Ortiz, yeah. UFC 22. So you're right, you know, but Frank was never 
a light he was, heavyweight. He's tiny. <laughs> guy he walked was, around like 81, 84. Dude, I, I remember when Frank had quarters. Yep. Rolls of quarters in his pockets to make yep. way. <laughs> so to fight Tito. Make, huh? To fight Tito. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking put rolls of quarters in his pants and weighed in with his fucking jeans and a belt on. And, you know, because there was just, he wasn't that big a guy. Well, those of you guys that don't understand what he's talking about, you, there can't be that big of a weight discrepancy. So you have to put some weights in your pocket to make sure you're within like a 20 pound uh, weight limit, correct? Is it 20 pounds? Yeah, because at the time, the weight class was actually 200. It was, you know, you had to be yeah. 200 or less. And he was weighing somewhere around 183, 184, yeah. somewhere in there. So he put he put weight in, so he, so he weighed in at like 190 something. Yeah, he weighed in at 196. Yeah. So yeah. he, uh, I mean, like I said, that but that weight class with Tito, with Chuck, with Randy, it was always one of their shining, you know, star elements. And then John Jones just took it over. You know, you had Leona Machida for a little bit, you know. You know, and then then Shogun Hua, but when John Jones took it over, there was no doubt. You know, who the best person was, and everyone was trying. You know, and you know, some people got close in certain fights and stuff like that. But since John mm-hmm. has vacated that belt, what's been there? Yeah, there's really been problems. I feel like John dispatched of all the young and up and comers that were coming. You had uh, Dominic Reyes, you had Anthony Smith, you had Santos, you had those guys. Those were the scary guys that were young and up and coming. Did and you say he... Anthony Smith was young? Well, when they I fought, love Anthony. When they fought, <laughs> when they fought young. though, when they oh, fought, yeah. he was you know he was kind of young. What thirty one? Yeah, he, he was probably thirty four or so when he fought. fought really young. that long? What is he forty now? Oh yeah, he's received. Anthony's up there, man. I know he's up. He's been around forever. He's been around. He's fought very force. young. He's thirty-four. He's thirty-four, he's 34 now. now. Jesus, yeah. so he's that's amazing. Young. When he fought, he's been around for a long time. He, oh my I remember, god! I remember him being on the undercards of the Strike Force fights. Do me a favor, pull, go go on on his record and, and show me his first fight. As far as the year UFC, no, 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 not even UFC. Year. Just the year. Just the year of the, his first fight. Because, I mean, Gosh. he's been fighting forever. 2008. Uh, all right, guys. I'm 2008. Going to the... There we go. Okay. Which means, yeah. how old was he? If he's uh, 34 now. So, in 2018, he would have been 29. So, he'd have been 19. Jesus. Been fighting a long fucking time, man. For, you know, started out as a young man. But, you know, yeah, in the UFC, how that's... long has he been there? Let's see how, you know, if you put. 2016. Put, uh, 2016. Yeah, because you know he didn't he come came. over. He didn't come over in the in the in the Strike Force UFC. Obviously, then huh? I don't think he did. Mm-hmm. No, it, yeah. it was because he had fought in Strike Force there, yeah. but he had also fought in Bellator. He fought in, in all kinds of different uh, organizations. Oh, he f- he's good, man. Oh, he's yeah. good. Yeah. So I mean, but after the after the Chuck, after the Chuck had la- after Chuck had lost, it went like. It went like uh, Rashad. It went Shogun. It went uh, who else was it? Machida. Well, they had like Rashad, a, Rashad Forrest, Leoto, Quentin, Shogun, Quentin, Forrest. They were all there was champion after champion. It seemed like almost every fight the champ the the title so, was changing hands. Yeah, and then John Jones came, and I was like, "Holy shit! Holy <laughs> this, shit. this dude's been around forever." Look, I, I'm not I'm not trying to take anything away from uh, John Mahal Hill, but he. 
<laughs> he legit is. I feel like he's a product of just the weight class itself is aged. So like Santos is kind of on his way out, you know, just the damage he's taken or just the injuries, his knees being surgery. Uh, Glover just retired. Uh, Jan Blachowicz is probably going to be sitting that retirement here probably within the next year and a half, two years. I'd say two years. Uh, he'll keep going, I think. Well, hold on. The Sant- Polish power. Santos isn't even in the UFC. Oh, so he's not anymore. Okay, see, that's no, the thing. He's in the PFL. Okay, so then you have, uh, you know, who else you got up there? So Uncle Live will be around for a bit. Yep. You know, uh, Rakic, if he can Fairly come back young. from this injury. Rakic, right, you know, just he's good. injuries. He's good. He's got the yeah. knee injury. Uh, Anthony Smith, 34. I mean, but he's still got a lot of fight in him. Jamal Hill is now uh, the champ. Um, Krylov. Still got a lot, got some ways to go though. He's got some ways. He's got to fix some things. He's got to fix quite a bit of things. Uh, Paul Craig, we just saw what happened to him. So he'll be at the bottom. He'll be probably out of the top 10 now, you know, and then you move on. I can't move on down. Uh, there's some more people. Let me see here. Let me move this down here, but I'm looking at it. I'm looking at an aging bracket. You know, the one that I want to see the most right now is Ryan Span. Yep. Right. Ryan Span's got a lot to deliver. Johnny Walker's looking good. You, you know, let, let's yep. be honest. It's so it's so funny. Well, we'll talk about Johnny in, in a yep. little bit, but you know he's a lot of people or you know, wrote him off and everything. Everything's about the way you're. Fighting. I did. I wrote him off. I did. Yeah. I was one yeah, of those well, guys. You know, and I talked to him in Ireland. You know, we we stood there and talked, and he was saying, you know, "What do you think?" And I said, and I told him, I said, "You have to stop fighting to please people. You are trying to do things that please." The UFC that please the fans, these fancy flying knees and these dramatic moves, they're putting you into a bad spot. They're putting you into positions where you lose the fights based upon them. Just go about being the fighter that you can be. Use your length. Use all the tools that God has given you that you're working. And, and I was telling I said, and now with you know your coach who you have in John Kavanaugh, hey, you can beat these guys. You just have to beat them using your brain, not just your body. And man, he's doing it. He's really yeah. doing it. Yeah, he I think he's got he's got he's got the the ceiling is high for him. Could if he be. can just learn to fight smart. But yeah. I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back to uh to the main event. So yeah. John Mahal Hill fights a great fight, does a great job of sticking and moving, gets himself out of trouble. He does everything that is expected of him. The ball is rolling in his direction. I think he realized after that first round, my speed is a huge um, advantage. I have a huge advantage. And then on top of it, as long as I can stuff these takedowns, give everything I can to stuff in the takedowns, keeping my back off the fence, he's got a good chance. And as you could just see the momentum building up after every round. Every round, he's getting better and better. And then when you got in those championship rounds, that third round was probably his worst round. But when you got into that fourth and fifth round, these are championship rounds, and that he fourth looked, round, he looked that good. That fourth round was nasty. Yeah, he looked good in the fourth. He looked good in that the championship round. That fourth round was a ten eight coming up on a ten seven round. Jeez, man! Okay. But his his performance in that third round was like, oh no, it looks like he's getting a little bit tired. He's getting hit some more. He got hit with some clean shots. He got taken down, I believe, in the third. But fourth and fifth, he looked a whole new fighter, whole new fighter. Like it was almost like a second wind. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm good. People said I couldn't be here. People said I couldn't compete in the fourth and fifth round. And I'm here, and I'm winning these rounds. Watching him when it got into the second round, I was like, he's getting tired. Mm. You can see him starting to slow down with, you know, he he landed a lot of shots. He did a lot of, you know, movement. 
but he was getting, you could see his mouth was open. He was breathing hard. And I was like, uh Oh, that's not a good sign for him in this. You know, Glover did a great job of moving with a lot of the punches. He, you know, a good head movement, kept his head off the center line a lot. The kick, the left high kick, he just could not see. Don't ask me what it was. I, it's something with the setup, and I didn't see what it was that Jamal Hill was doing, but something was keeping Glover from being able to read that kick. And that kick landed how many times? Even, a, yeah. and, and, and this is where people don't get it, even when his hand does come up to block, Look, your brain's getting rattled. That is a baseball bat going against your hand, which is touching your head, which means your head is getting all of that torque and power put into it. So, you know, there was there was some things that Jamal Hill was doing that Glover could not figure out, you know, how he was getting it off, how to stop it, what to do. And I, I got to give it up for Jamal Hill and the fact that he did. He, look, he he sucked it up in areas of this fight. Yeah. When things could have gotten bad for him, he said, nope, not going to let that happen. And he just kept going and turned it up, did some great things. And, and he beat, yes, he beat an aging guy in, in Glover, but he beat a guy that's got a ton of experience, a yeah. ton of fight IQ. And he did it in an impressive fashion. And that fourth round, ooh, it could have been over. What we're seeing right now, though, across the sport, though, is guys that have... 50 or 40 or 50 or 60 fights they've been in the game so long sure and they've got all that experience but if your body can't do what it needs to do to 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 get these younger guys down i mean you got john mahal hill here is 12 and one <laughs> you gotta stop <laughs> what I'm, I'm gonna make a fucking t-shirt that says that podcast dave says john mahal hill that's what i'm gonna fucking do um my it's 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 hard for them to get get in deep enough on the takedowns. These young athletic fighters are coming from a background of whether it's kickboxing, whether it's wrestling, Johnny Eblen and Gegard Mousasi. I would have never thought in a million years that Johnny Eblen was going to beat Gegard the way he beat him. I didn't think in a million years that Jamal, sorry, Jamal Hill was going to be able to, to stay out, keep his back off the canvas as well as he was able to. I mean, we've seen, it doesn't matter who you are. Glover's been able to get Anthony Smith down, Jan Blachowicz down, uh, Yuri Prochaska. He took Yuri down like it was fucking nothing, nothing. He took him down several, several times, a whole fight, fight. several times. I mean, it was just constant. He just took him down, hold him down, control him. Hill didn't make it look that easy. Once, even when he, once, even when he did get him down, he wasn't able to control him. He wasn't able to hold. He did get to the mount at one point. Then he came out the back door. I was like, wow, dude, you're good. Like, there's guy. I know Glover was getting tired. I know Glover's older and getting a little bit tired, but still, his technique is still on point. The way he able to crush you with his hips, kind of squeeze his thighs around your around your hips, and kind of sit you back to your ass and control your positioning, make you feel, make make you feel all of his weight. He is one of those guys. He's a for me. I feel like Glover's a heavy guy, but he also is like a Habib, where he's able to hunker over you. And really control your positioning and make you feel every 230 pounds of whatever he's carrying that day. He's making you feel it. He makes his 225 pounds yep. feel like 450 pounds. Yeah. It doubles up. It, it sits there and it multiplies. It, it, it's so you, 
if you haven't been underneath somebody that understands how to use their weight and how to put pressure, it's hard to understand. But man, when you do, it's like, yeah. oh my God. I mean, it was like that it's one like, day, that was one day I was in the, in this cage and John had tripped and fell and it was like fucking tree fell on me. And I just felt the, <laughs> the 330 pounds just on yeah. top of me. I was like, gosh, man. And I wasn't expecting it because my back was turned when he jumped on me. Oh. It fell on me. <laughs> fell on me. But, but it was, it was one you of those. You just keep going. You just keep going with that story, dude. I love this it. This is great. This is great. I love it. Uh, but, but to be honest, I look at the rankings right now and I look at, uh, Jamal Hill. If he continues to be lasered focused like he was last night, you know, and I look at uh, Brandon Moreno and I said this in the, in the, in the, um, the pre, in the midweek show, laser focus, Brandon Moreno. Jamal Hill, laser focus, and look at the outcome. Look at the way that they fought. Look at the way everything started going their way. They just, there was nothing that was going to avoid them from being dialed in. Jamal Hill knew what he had to do, and he went out there and got it done. Great job. Great performance by him. Let's talk about the retirement of Glover Teixeira, though. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Right time? Absolutely. 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 Where, like, if if anyone could, I mean, honestly, I go back in my in my career. Had I been able to fight Anthony Pettis and it didn't go my way, I would have retired. I would have retired, but I didn't get the opportunity to fight Anthony Pettis, so I was like, all right, well, fuck, I felt like I still had more to do. I would have retired on top. I would have just, even if I did beat him, I probably would have fought one more time because the money was going to be a lot better, a lot better. <laughs> I probably would have fought again, or until I lost the title, then I would have walked away. But it was it was in my mindset, you know, because when I was younger. When I fought Eves, that should have been for the lightweight title. We were, I was ranked number one in the world. He was ranked number two. We should have fought for the lightweight title. And my point when I came back to the UFC was like, I'll get there again. I knew I would. And then they offered it to me. I didn't get it. But the guys that were ranked ahead of me were tailor made for me. One of them was, um, Gray Maynard, who was a teammate of mine. So we had already talked about not fighting until it was for the title. But then TJ Grant was, I thought TJ Grant was tailor made for me. I thought he was the speed, my speed, all that stuff. So I just felt like there was more. Him with Glover, he was already the champ. He's at 40, 44 years old now, I believe. It was it was his time. Why why go any further? You they weren't gonna they were kind of you could tell they were wishy washy on giving him this title shot again. Yeah. That's why they went with Ankalaev and Jan. And the fact that it didn't work out, he, I think he saw the writing on the wall. Why be a gatekeeper for all these young guys? Get out now. Spend some time with my wife, my family, whatever it is. I'm I'm happy, man. I'm so glad that he decided to leave while while on top. I agree with you. It's the right time to get out. There's no reason to, you know, push your career into the point where you become the gatekeeper. It's, you've had a fantastic career. You were the champion. He's got Alex Perea, who is you know fighting out of his gym. You know, that's a guy that he's working with all the time. You can step right into that and, you know, ride ride that ride that, you know, train as you know, far as it's gonna go because it's gonna be there for a while. You know, Alex is not old right now. So yeah, this is the right time. And you know, Glover said the right thing is that, you know, sometimes I'm too tough for my own good. And he is. Yeah. You know, he is he's been a warrior the entire time I've ever known him. I've known him for twenty some years. And all I wanna say is to Glover, man, brother. You gave it everything you had. You were a stud. You know, sometimes it just doesn't go our way, but you're always a champion. Man. Well, John, let's not forget, 
he had visa problems for so long. His prime was Absolutely. spent not fighting the UFC when the UFC oh, no, wanted him. All over the world. You know, they, I, I was refereeing him all over the yeah. world. They wanted him. They 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 were waiting. They were oh, licking yeah. their chops, going, "Man, why?" There was nothing that they could That's do because he was working out with you know he trained with Chuck. Yep. You know. Yep. And, and the uh, Uf, they, the UFC was doing everything they could. They even put money into it, from what I yeah. understood. Through, oh, they did. They put money in to get to his visa him. thing situated, and they still couldn't get it situated. Yeah. He wasted his his prime his prime trying to get a fucking visa so he can get in and fight the best fighters in the world. And he still came back and fought for the title, won the title. He fought for the title three times. The first time came up short. Second time won it. Third time now came up short. But he, he's a stud. And and if you haven't talked to him or if you ever see him, don't let the bald head and the honorary look fool you. The guy is, <laughs> he's the guy's the nothing but smiles. I got to be honest, man. Like outside of like Frankie and for me BJ and those guys, certain guys, but he's right up there, man, at the top of being just so so approachable. So nice, kind-hearted. You can just tell. Never has anything bad. Even when he walks, oh, you look so good. He's always, I like when people pat me on my back. He does it all the time. So he's a, he's a super great guy, and um, it's gonna be. I'm gonna be. It's gonna be sad to see him go, but it is time. My next question, though, John. Does does Paher come up now at 205? Because if you look at the division, they're almost all strikers. And he cuts a ton of weight. I mean, I, that, that might be something. To, it might to, be something you will see. Yeah. You know, the, the real question is, you know, who is Alex going to be fighting? Is it going to be Izzy in a rematch? We're going to find out. Who knows for sure. But it seems to me that right now with the style of fighters, the, the only guy that I look at that I think can really cause, you know, Alex trouble in that light heavyweight division is Ankalaev because he does have the wrestling and if he's smart he's going to take him down and try to use his you know ground game and stuff but other than that like you're saying it's a bunch of strikers a lot of guys that are good on the feet a lot of guys that have power well guess what he matches up very well with all of those so yeah we're gonna see and you're right he, he dude he cuts so much weight I don't I know am. how he does it yeah but I mean if you look you look if I was to say him and Hill him and Hill would be a great fight. Oh, you know, him and Hill, Hill, him and Span. Yeah, him and Span. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it just makes sense. It makes sense when you look at that fight. Him and him and Jan Blahovich would be a great fight. Yep. I think I think Jan would end up turning into a wrestler. We've seen him oh, turn into a wrestler a couple of times, but I'd not him stupid. That. No, he's not dumb. Not <laughs> at his age. He's like, I got this. All right, next fight. All right, we had Brandon Moreno, the interim champion of the flyweight division going against the guy who was the undisputed champion in Devis and Figueredo. And as you said, it was, a, this was a matter about who was the most focused fighter, who was going to implement that style that worked for them when they got their win. And it was Brandon Moreno. Let's just be honest. I thought he was, he, the second round because of the guillotine attack and it was tight. It wasn't, it wasn't all locked in as far as the placement of it. It was more on his jawline, which helped him survive it. But I think that's the reason the judges gave that round to Figueroa, even though Brandon overall did a lot of good things in the second round. I thought he won the, the first round. Second round, you could have gone to Figueroa, uh, but he was turning it on, and you could see that one fighter was starting to just have problems. 
everything seemed to be more effort, more trouble, getting hit harder. And then when the uh, the left hand came out, you know, that punch that he threw, it's, damn it, it's legal. You know, he throw, his hand is, is balled up in a, in a fist. And yes, that part of his thumb does hit his eye. Mm-hmm. It's legal. He didn't, he didn't eye poke him. And, and I, I understand why, you know, Figueredo felt like he did. It, you know, same thing Tito Ortiz had that happen against Chuck Liddell back at UFC 47, right? And right away, you know, he poked me in the eye. No, he did not. You know, keep fighting. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It is a legal punch. And it, it absolutely, that, once that punch landed, that fight was over. Yeah. You could just see it in the body language, the way that Figueredo was going about that fight. He was holding on at that point. There was no offensive attempt. You just look, and you know, Brandon Moreno is is a guy you look at and you go, he's not he's not that special in anything. You know, what he's special in heart. Hmm. The, the kid's got heart and he comes after you with everything he has and he does have you know he's got talent i'm not i don't want to you know act like i'm saying he doesn't have it he does he's got a ton of talent but it's all secondary to his heart he he's not great at anything but he's good everywhere that's yeah. what makes him special i think a lot of the best fighters in the world they're not great at any one thing what happens when you become great at just one thing? You rely on that a lot, whether it's knockout power, whether it's your wrestling, whether it's your kickboxing, whatever it is, you start to rely on that so much that it affects your performance because you get so dialed in on, I got to do this. I got to do this. No, Brandon Moreno can take this fight anywhere. He can stand. He can wrestle as we saw last night. Uh, He has good top position. I would have liked to have seen him be a little bit busier on the top, but he was doing what he had to do. He's waiting for the refs to say, hey, get to work, get to work. And then he, he threw a couple of shots, went back into work. He he is, like I said last week, he needed to be laser focused. He was laser focused on what the job was, on what he needed to do in the game plan. And he went out there and did it. Now, he's at a new camp, correct? Who is he with yeah. now? He's, he's with, with uh, Fortis MMA. Fort, and that's, I think, in the Dallas area, North yeah. Dallas area. Um, I thought they brought him back. To reality, because I think his his last fight, right, fight three, was with James Krause, is what you were saying? No, James Krause was his fight with Cara France. Okay, Cara France. Okay, so that was his last fight. Okay. Yes. But his, his third fight with him, he just seemed to be out there having fun, enjoying it. But when you do that, you're not focused on the person who's in front of you, who's the, the obviously the most dangerous person in your division. That's why you guys are fighting for the title. And he just didn't have that in that third fight. With Figgy. This time around, back to what he was in the second fight. Not to be distracted, not not worried about anything. Just let me implement my game plan. And it came through and it showed he fought a fantastic fight. And moving forward, I don't see anybody in that division as of right now that I think could beat him. I don't see it. His wrestling was on point last night. His striking was on point last night. His composure what he needs to do is just keep that same mentality and grow on it. Don't get distracted. In going into that third fight, John, with Figgy, he was he was allowing you could see it. He was it was at every UFC event. He was allowing everything to happen. Like he was he was loving it. He was he was enjoying being the champion, which he should. But he carried that into the cage for his third fight and it didn't he just didn't show up. He didn't fight as well as we know he could fight. No, no doubt about it. He, uh, 
Oh man, I'll tell you. He uh I do think there's a guy out there that can give him problems though. And I, there's there's two that match up well. You know, Pantoja's already beaten him. Yeah. Now that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he has beaten him and he does have the skill set to cause problems for him. Doesn't mean that he's going to get the win, but he he can. So the, there's that that fight right there and Mateus is another one that you look at and you go, yeah. Good ground game, good stand-up game. You know, got a good engine. It matches up well. Doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to beat Brandon, but you know, right now Brandon's in that position. He's got to maintain that focus like you're talking about in that, hey, th- uh, this is not the top. Yeah, I'm on top of the hill, but the hill goes up higher, and mm-hmm. I've got to keep going up that hill and keep people from being able to catch me. And if he does that, if he has that right mindset, if he goes to Fortis with Saud and he learns things and continues to grow, look, he's going to be the champion there for a while. I agree. Um, but let's get into Figgy, though. So Figgy, to me... <clears throat> When I had heard that he didn't go train with Henry, and the reason why he didn't go train with Henry is like when I was there, oh, I was lonely. This is th- that it's about being already, lonely, dude. Yeah, it's fighting your 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 family's not getting in that cage with you. Nope. I know fighters like to say, "Oh, I couldn't have done it without my family." In that cage, it's you and that person in front of you. And sure, maybe you couldn't have done it without their support, but you had a great performance when you fought him the third fight. You shouldn't have got away. You shouldn't have gotten away from it. I mean, you looked physically. He looked like a specimen. Yeah. When I saw him on the when I saw him on the scale, when I saw him in his his training montage video, I was like, "Holy shit! Who is this guy? He's just ripped and shredded. He got muscles on muscles, man. I mean, like Big John muscles on muscles. But it was it really just came down to when you can't separate what you want and what you need." It's really hard to be champion. You've yeah. gotta you've gotta have that mindset. We talk you hear fighters all the time say fighting is a selfish sport. And there's a reason you've gotta put everything else aside. Your your wife, your kids, you gotta say, Hey, I gotta go do this. I gotta do that's why you hear fighters talk about I'm I left my family for twelve weeks. I left my family for eight weeks, six and it's weeks, hard. whatever it is. It's hard. It's hard. It's but hard. What you need to look at and say, Why are you doing it? Well, there's a reason why you're leaving your family for that amount of time. There's a reason why you're kind of lonely. There's a reason why you miss, you know, the things from home. It's because you are in a place that is going to prepare you to keep your family living in the lifestyle that you want, to keep that ability for you to, you know what, have everything that you have. You've got to put that in your mind. You, yeah. I have to suffer so I can prosper. And I thought it would, when I when I heard that he wasn't back at, you know, fight rate, I was like, mm, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. But he did look good and I was like, well, he's in shape, there's no doubt. He he got the Pitbull's uh, you know, nutritionist Fitness. and 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 strength and conditioning guy mm-hmm. and the guy obviously did a good job as far as doing his job. Mm-hmm. It's just that you need to have that mental approach of when this guy's doing this, this is what I need to be doing. And you have to have those people there that are behind you that you're believing in. Mm-hmm. And you could just see it as that fight started to roll on. 
And it was honestly, I'm at right at, you know, from that point of when he lost that guillotine, it just, you yeah. could look at it. There was a difference in the way he fought that fight from that point on. Yeah, his takedown defense wasn't the same in this fight. His ability to touch, touch, and deliver power, and then circle out and, and land again, cut the corners, that wasn't there. Um, the, the last thing on this on this part of the topic that I wanted to there say There is was, one more thing on my side, too. Is there? Okay, so yeah. like for me, is he... When you know that it's the fourth fight, you're not fighting this guy for a long time. I don't. Maybe they are going to fight again, but I don't see them fighting for a long time. It, it, just knowing that, why would you not go and train where you you had a good performance? Why would you not go train with Henry Cejudo? Henry's also getting ready for a fight too right now. Yep. Why would you not go? You know the mentality is we're gonna we're gonna be working together. We're gonna be grinding on each other. We're gonna be trying to push the, push each other. I'm gonna learn from you on the takedown defense. I'm gonna learn from you on the game plan. I'm gonna learn from all these things. It just didn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like you, he really couldn't put his own needs aside for him to achieve this goal. That told, that told me everything I needed to know. Sad. Yeah, the, the one thing that you saw in there that he was, he was poking at Brandon. He was trying to use, you know, a psychological advantage. You, you know, just, you know, you could see it in the wings. You could see when they, they would face off touching him, pushing him, all those things. And when you saw Brandon Moreno not respond to one of them, it told you, you know, hey, you could you could say anything you want. You could oh, you, you push me, big deal, you know. And this is exactly what we talk about. I get to get into a cage and punch you in the middle of the fucking face, and I'm gonna do it. You know what? And so all this bullshit that you're doing, you're not getting in my head, and that was a big difference maker. And I think that, in a way. It worked against Figueredo. I think mm -hmm. in in a way he looked at it like it didn't work. Yeah, you know he was trying to make it work and it didn't. Yep, because in the third fight he was able to kind of pick at him a little bit, and then you could see Moreno go like he yeah, would do things like this. Like, oh, I got it. Oh, like look away. Like oh, it didn't hurt me. Those kind of things. You didn't get any of that in this fight. Nope. It got oh, you hit me. I'm gonna hit you back. It was just, he really was coming after him to win the fight. That's it. It's good, great performance by Brandon Moreno. And uh, we'll keep it going, man. Next fight. Gilbert Burns comes out and just decimates Neil Magny on the ground. It's And this is, we, we talked about this. And we said, look, Neil's chance in this is to use the length, stick and move, try to give you that conditioning that he has and just keep putting shots on Gilbert, make Gilbert miss. We knew the power as far as the punching power went to Gilbert. And we knew, like, as much as I talk about how good a ground game Neil Magny has, and he does, he has got a, a just a dynamite ground game for the MMA, you know, field. It's not going to touch Gilbert Burns, yeah. and that was evident when it hit the ground. Gilbert, you when you're looking at, we talk about levels, and we, you know, you watch what Gilbert Burns did when they hit the ground, some of the body positions he put himself in how he advanced from one position to the next, you go, yeah, and that's why you've been a world champion that many times. Yeah. Just what just what it was. All the fight stuff aside, Darino, please. What's with the hair, brother? What's with <laughs> the hair, dude? 
brother, you like, man. You didn't, you didn't like the the longer. No, hair? I didn't like Come it, brother. On, it just threw me off. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Doesn't even, dude. He's got a when he gets he gets faded up nice and tight. It looks good, man. He looks good. But man, what, what are you just, doing it, checking out other guys? For? What is with off. you, man? I'm pretty secure in my manhood, bro. Well, I don't know. I'm dude. pretty I'm secure. You, why don't you put those glasses back on? I'm pretty secure in my manhood. <laughs> um, but exactly kind of what we said. Gilbert had the power. Um, he had the speed. Obviously, the speed advantage. I didn't expect him to be able to lift him up and slam him down Whoa. as easy as he did. No, I didn't expect that because because it's, it's it's not easy to elevate a guy that's that long compared to you. Exactly what I was gonna say. Yep. Man. Because I've I've trained with guys. Uh I trained with this kid named um uh jeez for anyways, his name's irrelevant. He never <laughs> But he, he was he was he fought at one one fifty five, but he was six four. Yeah. And trying to get him down was such a pain in the ass. I had to go high crotch lift and then just kinda dump him forward. Swing it but, to one but side. He, back yeah, to but the he, other. but even but even when he did go forward, his hands and his, his legs and arms were so long. That he was pretty much like waist high when he posted his hands in his in his hand his feet, so that sucked. But when he lifted him, took him down, I was like, "Oh, this is not good." Like this is he made that look so easy. The strength, the um, obviously the grappling and the speed and the the speed and the power on the feet kind of had Neo backing up, putting his back to the fence, which is going to make it easier for him to get takedowns had he gotten up. Yeah, but overall. Dominant, great performance, exactly what you want to see from your number three or number two or whatever ranked he is now. I know he got stepped over by someone and he's pissed about it, but um, I think he's number four now. By Bilal. Bilal. Oh, he's number five. He's number five. He got stepped over yeah. by Bilal. I mean, look, John, there's that, no That'd other, be a great fight, though. There's no other fight to make besides him and Bilal or him and Colby Covington. There's no other fight to make. I agree. You know, I mean, I would want to see. I mean, you have Usman fighting next, which he deserves. Um, I, you know, you have. I would like to see Chamayev and Covington, but it seems like Covington's going to be taking some time off. I mean, he's he's coming up on pushing probably about a year now, not fighting. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Last? Well, when did he fight you, last? Unless you include a restaurant, the street. <laughs> unless you include the street. Dang, uh, it's March. Yeah, March. March, right? Yeah. That's podcast Dave's hero right there, <laughs> Colby Covington. Uh, well, it's fresh. I mean, he's not fame. Yeah, it is fresh. I mean, it's, the thing is, he's still young. He's not utilizing his time to get as many fights in as possible, make as much. Oh, he's not young. Sorry, he's thirty-four. He's the same age as Anthony Smith. John, say, same age as Anthony. Smith. I was thinking Anthony Smith was older, just like yeah. Yeah, Kobe Covington, man, I don't think he's that young. Well, he's 34. Well, he sees. It's because he fucking acts like a four-year-old. That's why. <laughs> um. Anyways, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's talented. He's good. Uh, But the fights that they have lined up for him right now, he was at the fight. Him and Dorino, him and uh, him and Bilal, and him and uh, Chimaev. Those are not fights he wants. Those aren't fights that, you know, those aren't fights he wants. So, anyways, uh, overall, Gilbert's going to move on, and so we'll see who he ends up fighting next, man. But either it's going to be Bilal or the might even be just, uh, I think, who knows, man. Who knows I can see man? him and Bilal. Him and Bilal. I, I don't I think mean, Colby's going to be fighting wanna, anytime soon. I, I want to see Chemayev and Colby. I want to see Chemayev and Colby. I'd like to see that, too. Let's go. All right, Let's go. Jessica Andrade. She looked okay in this fight. 
Um, little slow, missed a lot of shots, barely squeaked it out. Okay, I'm lying about everything. She just just destroyed Lauren Murphy. Walked yeah. through Lauren. Again, I hate to say it, you know, when we, you know, how one sided it was. Man, you, and it, I think DC and, and Paul Felder said, you know, when we're talking about just how tough you are, that's not a good thing. And they're right. It's not a good thing. But it does say something about your character because, man, Lauren Murphy, just tough as nails. She was taking yeah. a, a lot of shots, some big shots. And, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I guarantee you, her face today is a, is a mass of freaking swelling and bruising. And she, you know, the, the scores, I, there was two 10-8 rounds on two of the judges' scorecards in that one. And this is not like she got dominated on the ground. This is all on the feet where you don't see the 10-8s coming quite as much, especially when there's not knockdowns. And there really wasn't knockdowns in the fight for the most part. It was just a domination of the action, the shots, the power, everything. Just, yeah. You got to give it up for Jessica Andrade, someone that is jumping up and down from 115 to 125, this one at 125. You know, that's not an easy thing to do, and she's doing it very well. Yeah, she possesses the power. She's uh, she's got that aggressiveness. Uh, I think she's physically strong. She's got all the things that she needs to do to bounce from weight to weight. I mean, she's not a tall, long, lanky she got, fighter. She got a she got a a, a crunched yeah structure. <laughs> and you're gonna find that those fighters that can do that are the ones that are shorter in stature because they can just they put the muscle on pretty well and they take the muscle off if they need to. So she's she's doing a she's doing a good job. I, I just look at the end game for her at 125. I don't see where it goes. I mean, sure, everyone's going to end up meeting at the top of Valentina, and that's not a fight that anyone really can can win right now, as of right now. Yeah. Um, Valentina may go somewhere else. Who knows? Maybe Whaley will come up and fight her, but I don't see Whaley beating her either. And then you move on to if she goes back up and fights Amanda. I mean, she, I think she, right now she's got a good chance of beating Amanda. That's my personal opinion. I think she's got yeah. a good chance. Uh, but she's got to put the weight back on properly. And if that if that will affect her performance at all of her having to carry that extra weight. She's been fighting at 125 for for years now yep. and doing a great job. But she's wiped out the division. Um, to get into the Lauren Murphy situation, I mean, I've already said everything I can about um, Jessica. She's fought a great fight. Good job. But Lauren Murphy, you need to not not evaluate like your career. You need to evaluate, you need to reevaluate your corners. Your corners need to have a conversation and you need to have a sit down with them and say, look, the, one of them is her husband. Yep. You, you'll find, and I, I'm, I'm all for giving fighters every chance, every chance. But if in that third, going between that second and third round, her corners and her husband should have said, hey, I'm going to give you one minute or one, a minute 30, whatever Show it is. Me give me a time. Show me you can change this fight. If right. you can't, right now you're target practice. Yeah. I'm not going to take this much longer. And it got, to me, the third round was was just as bad as the first two. <laughs> just as bad, if not worse. I mean, she was taking some big shots. Yes. Big shots, John. And so if I'm her, if I'm her and, and if I'm from outside looking in, looking in, family members, anything like that, you guys need to have a, real, a big sit down with each other and be like, hey, when do we say is enough is enough? 
because I felt the same way about the Glover fight a little bit in that third, in that fifth round. Difference. It, yes, very true. One, you're fighting for the title. I think the expect, the, I think the understanding was that this was Glover's last fight. If he lost, the corner probably already all knew. You gotta let this guy go out on his shield. John well, John Hackman wanted to throw. The yes, talent. I know he would have if he was if he was the the main. Yep. Corner. He would have done it. Yeah. You know, and so when I look at Lauren Murphy's corners, and I said this, I think uh, about some other fighters as well from back in the day. You need to, as a as a corner, your job is to protect them, not not worry about whether you hurt their feelings or not by stopping their fight. You need to protect them for longevity in this sport. They cannot make money if they can't fight because they got brain damage. Because they, we're going to deal with a lot of issues later on in our lives. We are. Let's not let's not speed this process up by letting her take unnecessary damage in a round or in a fight that she was never going to win. There was, and I don't like to say that word never because, but the thing is she was not anywhere near getting a takedown never. And she was way slower on the feet punch. She was throwing punches in ones, maybe ones and twos. They weren't getting there. She was missing. Had Jessica Andrade turned that, that pace up. She could have got her out of there. That's what I didn't like about Jessica Andrade's performance. She could have got her out of there because I think at the end of the second, she hit her with a barrage of punches for about four or five seconds. Had she done that earlier, the fight would have been stopped. But she didn't. She hit her, moved around, one, two, three, boom, moved around. As a ref, you have to see what's going on. I blame a little bit of the ref, too. You've got to see what's going on. I get what you're going to say. You're going to say, you're going to say, she got rocked, but then she didn't follow up. She got rocked, but she didn't follow up. I get that, but John, you got to okay. see the writing on the wall, man. Stop. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. Okay, I agree with you. Yeah. But that. Thank you. The, well, look. There's all kinds of ways of achieving a, a, a task. And I, I, I'm going to take you back. You know, long ago, it was one. It's someone you trained with, Paul Buentello. Yeah. I stopped one of his fights. But I didn't stop it by just put going between the guys and waving my arms off because I couldn't. Because Paul was doing exactly what Jessica Andrade was doing. He was landing boom, boom, and back off. And boom, 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 and back off. And he was basically in this position where he knows fundamentally I am so much better at the stand-up right now than my opponent. His opponent at the time was Kirill Sedelnikov. Mm. And in that, Kirill was considered the baby Fedor. He was yeah. Fedor's protege. He was undefeated, I believe, at the time. And Paul was lighting him up. And eventually, I'm the one that stopped it. I just did it in a way that no one understood. And that's what Osiris Maya, who was the referee for this fight, should have done. He just didn't know how to do it. And that's, this is, there's, there's levels to everything. And, and when you go through these things, you learn how to manipulate things. So you're, you're protecting the fighter, but you're not making it look bad in that, oh, you're taking away. People need to understand when you're looking at this. And this is what you're talking about. I want you to look at this fight and say, what part of this, as we look through the first round and second round, is there any doubt about who won those rounds no doubt right even i'm not gonna say the name even certain judges we know couldn't 
to Lauren Murphy. Okay, so there's no there's no way that she wanted. Oh, give us some time. Crosby could have fucked it up. There you go. So there's <laughs> no way. And you could even say ten eight rounds. Okay, she she had ten eight rounds from a standing there. So you take a look at that. You know right now. Okay, going into the third round, I have a fighter who has shown me, and you and these are the things as a referee you have to be asking yourself as this fight is going on. All right, does Lauren Murphy have a puncher's chance in this fight? Does she have the ability to knock out Jessica Andrade? Well, she, she showed me no. She doesn't have that. She doesn't have that ability because she's too slow to even touch her. She's Every time she's throwing and she's trying to throw, she's getting countered and being hurt with those counters. So she doesn't have the puncher's chance. Okay, does she have a grappler's chance? Can she take this fight to the ground? Well, she's shown that twice in it, she's been able to get behind her and loses the position every time quickly. She, she doesn't have the ability to, to even get the fight to the ground. So if she can't get the fight to the ground, grappler's chance is, no, it's not there. Yeah. Okay, does she have a chance on the scorecards? Is there a possibility? And when you look and you go, not even close. Well, how does she win this fight? So the longer that I let her stay in the fight, what happens? Oh, you know, and people go, well, you never know. She has a chance. No. You do know at a certain point. The fighter's been hit so many times and just diminished in their ability and damaged so severely that they don't have that chance. And you have to be smart enough to be able to pick that out and say, all right, I'm going to get her out of this fight. It may not be the way that, you know, everyone would just, you know, think about it, just stepping in there and then giving people that excuse. I'm going to use the doctor. I'm going to do things smart to say, hey, this fight is over. I'm not going to let you take abuse just so you can get to the end, which is the same L. There's no difference in it. Yeah. I agree. I think that there needs to be a conversation with her corners too on when they need to, they need to understand what, what has to take place. Like exactly what you were just talking about. They need to see. Is she able to hit her? Is she able to knock her out? Is she able to submit her? Is she able to get her down? If she's not able to do any of those things, she hasn't had any success whatsoever in any of those areas, then they need to really consider, How hey, do you win the fight? This is not our night. Let's just close this thing down. And, um, yeah. Sometimes, Josh, sometimes you give it everything you have. You give it your best. And your best is never going to be good enough on that night. Yeah. Not I against that person. No, I get it. I get it. I've had a couple of those nights. <laughs> Sucks. Uh, all right, next. All right, we had Johnny Walker coming out, starting the show off against Paul Craig. I know that Podcast Dave has been shedding Scottish tears for hours now because his man did not get the win like he wanted. Uh, look at Johnny Walker, and we, we talked about him earlier, and I said, look, he has changed the way he is approaching the fight. He has the different team. He is fighting much smarter. Physically, if you're looking at a guy that has physically got gifts, Johnny Walker is one of them. As far as he is long, he's physically strong. He's got power. You know, he's got a lot of things going for him. Now, his chin has been damaged, you know, in the past, and he's taken big shots. You know, you take a look at his last knockout loss was to the guy who's now the champion in Jamal Hill. 
that was a huge knockout. It's nasty, and that's always going to have some effect on your career. But you can get these things back by not allowing people to damage you. And in his recent fights, he really hasn't taken any abuse. And this fight against Paul Craig, it was about, well, obviously, don't go to the ground with the guy. I'm going to stay on the feet as much as possible, use my length, and just pick him apart. And that's what he did. And when Paul really went for that takedown, getting in on the leg, you know, you see Walker throw the kick. Paul catches the leg. Man, he ate some big shots. And you can see at one point on that one hammer fist as he was on the ground, he almost went out. You know, And a lot of people are going to complain about, oh, it was an early stoppage. Nope, Paul Craig was. When you are a professional fighter and you have now resorted to doing what I see schoolyard kids do in that I'm going to hold on to a leg because it's all I can do at this point to try to survive and, and try to hide. You're no longer fighting. You're not intelligently defending yourself. You're showing me that you have been overwhelmed by somebody. It's time to stop the fight. I didn't think it was a bad stoppage at all. No, it was going to get worse. Yep. You know? and, and I like Paul Craig a lot. Um, so do I. I think he's a fantastic fighter. I think he does. He does. He works miracles with the tools that he has in terms of his grappling, pretty much only his grappling. Doesn't have great wrestling. <clears throat> doesn't have great foot sweeps. Doesn't, doesn't have, have superior great judo. speed. Doesn't, no, he's not super fast. He's actually kind of small for the weight, even though he's a fucking mountain of a man. He's yeah. fucking, he's, Johnny Walker's huge. And Podcast Dave was saying, I think it's time for him to go to 85. I don't think he can make 85. He, see how lean he is already? Yeah, I know he doesn't put a lot of weight back on. But for him to cut down to 85, he'd fucking be chopping the, off one of his legs. speed factor. Yeah. You know, and he has a hard time with good strikers. So if you put him, like you said, with Jamal Hill, but like he got he got that win. Jamal Hill made a mistake. He got the arm bar, broke the arm. But if you go in, you look at the 185-pound division. You got Pajara. You got fucking Izzy. You got Paul Acosta. You got, you got guys that will stand. Whitaker. You got guys that will stand and bang you up and got better takedown defense than a lot of these guys at 205. And they're faster. Yeah, and they're faster. And <laughs> they're faster. So it's not something you really, I don't think it's not really probably an option for him. He just needs to work. He really needs to find a gym or find, or not find a gym. He needs to find a couple of good wrestlers that he can bring in that will work with him on his takedowns. His single leg, his double leg, his body lock. All of those things will help him get to the back. Um, he just hasn't done it yet. He just seems like the guy that's content with, let me grab the leg and try to lift it. Well, he got fucking rocked by Walker when he had the leg up. Just bam on the side. That that really what started it all, that very first shot. Dude, that right that hand hit him hard. Yeah, dude, I don't care if he hard. was on one leg because all the motion, all that body weight was going forward. Yeah. No, it was good. Uh, Johnny Walker, this, this he's walking proof right now that you need to find yourself a gym and a coach that that click with you that really can get into your mindset and get you to start seeing things and their vision that will make you the best fighter you can be. Because John Cavanaugh has done a fantastic job with Johnny Walker. Him changing his thought process, changing the narrative on how he needs to fight all these fights. Stuffing takedowns first, then keeping it on the feet, not trying to go out there and be a showman. The one thing that, the one knock I have on John Cavanaugh, man, 
tell him to stop doing that stupid watermelon crawl, whatever the hell that thing is at the end <laughs> of the, the worm. <laughs> the worm, whatever yeah, it's like, it is. He jumps down, starts to go, don't do it. Uh, you're going to separate your shoulder again. Jeez, man. That's like Davy Jones has done a great club. job with his stand up, though, getting him to understand how to use that length because he really didn't understand how to do it properly. And he's really coming along with that. So Jones got to get some, some credit in there. Good fight, though. Good yeah. fight by him. All right, next. Broke my heart. That's all I want to say. Just broke my heart. Mauricio Shogun Hua in his last fight, taking it on Ihor Poteria. Uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of people were very upset with Ihor Poteria and the way he, he reacted as far as his uh, in-cage antics. Know, antics and the talk. and uh, Yeah, let's just be honest. I would have liked to have seen someone that said, hey, yeah. I, I want to celebrate... I want to, you know, I want to jump up and down, but I, I, I just want to say that, you know, I can't do that based upon the guy that I was able to come in here and compete against because that guy's a legend. And I was just lucky enough to be able to get a win against him. And that would have shot Ehor up as far as people loving him and things like that. But sometimes, you know, those things don't happen. But Mauricio just, you know, 41 years of age. He's not the same fighter he was, but at one time, Josh, at one time, that dude was oh, yeah. a monster. Oh, yeah. John, <laughs> we can go through. Like, when they showed the montage of all of his fights, even from yeah. the Pride days, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I remember watching him uh, destroy Quentin Jackson. Oh, my. I couldn't believe what he destroyed. I, I, I was. I can't. I, I was watching that fight with a bunch of guys. And we were get, we were doing fights and we were trying to you know, and we're watching it, and I was like, Quinn's gonna get him. You watch, Quinn's gonna get him. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> he destroyed Quinn. He annihilated him. Oh my god! It was just unbelievable how much yeah. damage he put on Quinn in in a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I just look at I look at though I look at some of his past fights. I'm like, man, he's fought everybody john yeah he didn't shy away from anyone and he and i also feel like <clears throat> him coming to the ufc <clears throat> it wasn't towards the end of his career that he came no but when young. he but when he came you he hit the shoot box way was the pride way yeah <clears throat> they something was lacking something was missing for them to not be able to do the step through the guard face stomps um the way they threw the legs to the side and stepped around and soccer kicked you in the head. Like that took away a lot of their, their, Absolutely. their natural, their natural fighting style. Yeah. And they never, they never were really the same when they got to the UFC. It was, um, and don't get me wrong. I know he, I know he went on to become champion. That's just cause he's a champion. That no matter good. where. Yeah. That's how, that's how good he is. But, um, but to say that him and Vanderlei and everyone else that came out of the shoot box or came out of pride, they lost something. They lost that. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I. I feel like it's a little bit of the aggression that comes naturally to them. They weren't allowed to use. It's that thought process they had to use. Am I going to break the rules? Oh, is this a penalty? Like they. They seemed to step behind once they got to the UFC, and it wasn't the UFC fighters. It was legit. Just they fought for years. 
with the ability to chase after you, trying to stomp after your head or stomp your body or kick you they or whatever. Were, they it was. were trying to they were trying to kick your head no matter where it was on yeah, you know, on the ground, up in the air, it didn't matter. They were going to throw stuff. They were going to jump up in the air and try to stomp on you. They were going to use anything they could to do damage to you. I I always look at. It, I totally agree with you in that. You know, things change fighters, and it change they change their abilities to actually get the win. You know, I did I did that with. Uh, I'm going to say you know. When people don't, going back in time and what was occurring with the UFC, you know, between UFC 14 and 15, there was a rule change. And I was the one that came up with all of those rules. And it was, you know, it was because the UFC was off of cable, you know, cable. There was a guy named Leo Hendry that was in charge of Time Warner at the time. And he was the president and he had taken the UFC off. And so... We went to them, and I had a new rule set. And part of the rule set, you know, I, I put in things like things that were stupid, just trying to add rules. You know, small joint manipulation was, you know, a rule. You know, you couldn't, you know, you know, bend one finger or anything like that. You know, but I also used, you know, pressure point attacks. You know, which was like stupid. Okay, but it sounded good. Mm -hmm. You know, but one of the things that I got rid of at the, you know, two of the things I got rid of. One was groin, groin attacks because at the time, yeah. you could you could actually attack the groin and, and not it was not a foul, <clears throat> and the other was headbutts, you know, something you know very well about. Yes, yes, <laughs> right, right. But you know the headbutt, and then I want you to think about it. Mark Coleman. I knew, and and I as I was sitting there, you know, doing this, and then going and talking to Art Davy, who was part of it, and then Bob Meyerowitz, who was the owner of the UFC. You know, I said, hey. You know, I need you to, to understand if you if you go with what I have here, you're going to change certain guys' careers. And, and I said, and the one is one of your kind of stars in Mark Coleman. And then Mark Coleman uses, I said, look, he, he's, a, he's a, a, a monster of a guy, but he uses the fact that he can take you down, he can be in your guard, you can tie up his arms, and he's going to take his head and smash your head with his head i said and he does it the right way he turns his head to the side and he uses that i go and he makes you let go of his arm so he can pound on you yeah. i go it's effective it fucking works and now you're going to make his fights more boring because he's not going to be able to do it and they said doesn't matter we're, we're doing this mm -hmm. and i knew right then and there i go i, I just fucked mark coleman yeah you know i didn't do it you know personally but i knew in a way it was what I was doing was going to affect his career. And I think it did. I really do think it did, you know, and uh, Mark still had a great career, but it wasn't the same. And it's the same yeah. as what you're talking about with Shogun Hua. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's like when you take even, it can go the other way around though, too, with DJ, you're adding strikes yeah. that you're not used to when DJ went over to one, you know, the knee to the head and the ground, a grounded yeah. opponent, like those type of things. Sure, you might be able to, you might be able to implement them yourselves and add them in. Maybe it came naturally for you, you know, for DJ to go over there and start throwing knee strikes to the to the head to the ground opponent. But defending them is also different. You're not expecting it to come. You're not, you know, for the last five, six, seven years, whatever, you haven't had to defend that. So there's there's different ways of looking at it. It can change. It does change. I believe a fighter, and not all fighters can make that adjustment. And I think. 
with the Pride days, those fighters were known, especially Shogun. He was the first guy I'd ever seen grab the legs and split them and step between step and try between to and stomp you in the face. Stomp, stomp, try to hit you underneath the chin and roll you up into your face. I mean, he was trying to put his toes down your throat. Yeah. I mean, it was nasty. So he, he was one of the first guys, if not the first guy, to do that, to do that, use that technique. And damn, that was effective. <clears throat> you know, people forget about his brother. His brother was nasty. Marilla. Ninja. Ninja was nasty, man. He was just small for the weight, and people, he just, he ended up, as, they, as the fighters got better, he started having some big issues. But, I mean, these guys were good, and the, the, the rule set when they came to the UFC, that changed them a little bit. They weren't the same fighters, but he still had a fantastic career, still became a champion, Shogun did. And, um, you know, it's it's... This is another one. I felt like he fought a little bit too long. He did, but I'm okay. I'm okay with where he's at right now. Hopefully, it doesn't it didn't affect him. I I I get the look on his face though. John, maybe you can help me with this. Do you notice when fighters, after they've taken a little bit of damage, or not a little, a lot of damage, certain fighters have a specific look on their face that never changes. No doubt about it. You've got um, Evander Holyfield. Uh, there's other past, uh, what's it called? Um, the one that fought Muhammad Ali, uh, Joe Frazier, he had that same look. Obviously Ali had some other issues, but they have that blank stare and almost like motion. The face doesn't move and it kind of droops a little bit. The eyes droop, the face droops. And it's not just cause they're old, no. but I see Shogun and he has a little bit of that. And I'm like, it's time, man. Like when you start seeing that, you know, it's. You know it's you know it's been you you went past your time. Yeah, yeah. You can you can see things in guys. So you can really see them in their motions when they're moving. Now, you know it's funny, Josh. I I had a friend. Uh, his name was Mike Quarry, and Mike was a light heavyweight uh, boxer. His yeah. brother Jerry Quarry fought Muhammad Ali. Got it. Yeah. And uh, Mike fought uh, Bob Foster for the light heavyweight, you know, world title and stuff. And I worked worked with Mike later on in his you know life and stuff. And we would we would spar, you know, just joking around. We'd get in and spar. And Mike was a guy that he would walk, just walking. You would see his knees shake, and he just you know, and he 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 made fun of it all the time and stuff like that. But you could see it. But as soon as he started sparring. Mm-hmm. Dude, it just came back, and he looked like he he had flow. He he all of a sudden became smooth, and as soon as he stopped, he went back to the herky jerky the way he would move. And you know, you knew, hey, he's got you know he's been hit way too many times, taken too much damage. His brother had that same problem, and you you, you can see it in guys. And uh, there comes a point where you know it's irreversible. It's, you know, things are not going to get better. Fighters are always going to believe that they got one more. Let me get one more win. Mm-hmm. The problem is once they get the one more win, they want one more win. I can still do it. I can still yeah. do it. Yeah, that's it. And there comes a point. It's, it's got to be, again, I don't, I don't want to put the UFC down anyway. I understand why they gave him the fight, but I wish they would enough. Mm-hmm. I really wish they yeah. would enough. But, you know. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, he's called it a career. He's a Hall of Famer. He deserves to be recognized for the career that he's had. And uh, I just, you know, 
my thing, same as I said at Glover, man, thank you for all of the years and the fights and just the highlights that you created, man. You were, you were a fucking monster. Agree. You brought up the Mike Quarry thing, and um, it's funny, and not not in a not in a head trauma type way, but uh, Kurt Angle, very much the same way. You watch yes. him walk, you're like, "What the fuck, dude? How do you do anything? Get him on the wrestling mat. He's yes. just fucking cutting Slow angles, move. shucking you by, fucking just throwing you around. You're like, sitting the, the same. Who's that guy? Who's that old guy? Fucking moving. Who is that? Oh shit! It's Kurt Angle. Fuck." What the fuck? And then you watch him walk out then of there. As soon as he walks like out of the hunched, room, you go. He's all hunched over and yeah. just like, get, you know, he's kinda like kind of walks, walks with like his knees are always bent. They're never straight when he walks. They're always like kind of like, he looks like all kind of just crippled back up. I'm just like, yeah. what the hell? That's because he um, is. Yeah. All right, let's get into the next fight. Oh, my God. This was a uh, fight that uh, we had never seen you know, Bruno in Fejera in the uh, UFC. This was his uh, coming out fight against a guy in Gregory Rodriguez that we knew had power, mm. good ground game. But the Hulk comes through. That was one big shot. But I'm not, I, I just look at it and it's like, it's exactly what happened to Rodriguez in his last fight. He was able to recover in it. But this one, he wasn't put out fast. And a big time win for Bruno. Yeah. I'd seen him fight before. He's, you know, he obviously he's got he's got a good ground game. He's got a really stifling ground game too, but he's got power in his hands. He's just not that big a frame for uh, the weight class. So, uh, but th that was a great win against a really good guy. Big time win, huge win, huge win. <clears throat> Straight left, right down the pipe, caught him right on the like right at that right that at the, right at the right mouth, there. but then right on the, the getting the yeah. jaw Anytime to go that back. Jaw gets shoved back like that, lights out. And then you could see the ripples down uh, Rodriguez's neck in the highlight. You're like, oh, shit, that's not good. Yeah. I mean, he was out He was out before he hit the ground. Then he hit his head on the ground. There was no reason for the follow-up. Great job by Bruno. Next. Diago, Mo Diago Moises uh, against Costa. Costa came in. Man, I, you know, he really put on a good performance. I watched Costa in LFA, saw, mm -hmm. saw that, you know what, he's good everywhere. He's mm -hmm. got a good ground game. I've seen him really dismantle guys on the ground. I've seen him with a good stand-up game. He's he's aggressive in the stand-up. Mm -hmm. There's just levels to everything, and and when you you meet a guy who is, I'm not doing well here. Something <laughs> is freaking wrong with my thing. There we go. Um, you know, Moises has been there, and he's done it yeah. in the UFC. He was calm, relaxed. And he just knew it was time. Just give me some time with the guy. Let me let me start to. I just got to cook him for a little while. Yeah. And that's what he did. Come he on, looked a little. Job. He looked. He looked a little frustrated in that first round. Yeah. He he looked a little frustrated in that first round, like he's he he's having a hard time getting the fight to the ground. But as the fight went on, after he got the takedown, I think at the end of the first, the rest of it was history. He just started grinding, yeah, and getting on him. He knew. He knew. But look, this is also a tough task for Costa to come in, and and. And fight someone like Moises, who's fought hell the, yes, who's fought the who's who. He's he's coming in and what? Okay, what? Moises is still in the. He's in the top. I know he's in the top fifteen. Is he in the top ten? I don't think it's, he's in the top ten. But he's. I mean, is he in he, the top fifteen? I, I don't know if he is. He oh, I would. I would be surprised 13. if he wasn't. 
No, he'd be lightweight. Where are you going? Where are you going? Sorry, sorry, sorry. My God. He doesn't even know who Moises is. That's why. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's dropped out of it. He was. He's a tough task for anybody. Yeah. He's a good fighter. Really good fighter. Uh, good performance by him. Got the he figured out the riddle, and it's always hard for someone like Moises to fight someone you that is not hasn't been in the UFC. You've never really seen a whole lot of current footage on him. Um, they come in there and then he figured out the riddle after the first round. Came out second, third round was very dominant. Bone theme, beautiful guillotine, smart attack. Don't fight another man's fight. The other guy very good in the stand up. You get the chance, go for that. He did beautifully done. Going to talk about him and his brother in a second. Jelton mm-hmm. Almeida, mm-hmm. as a heavyweight, 232 pounds, shows why, you know what? 232 pounds is a good weight class and good weight for a heavyweight. He's got mm-hmm. gas, takes Shamil down and dominates him throughout. You know, and it's not easy. People don't understand, Josh. You know, you've you've worked out with with big guys, you know, at times and stuff. I've, I've rolled you up a couple of times, yeah. You, but, yeah, well, we'll God. see again. <laughs> I mean, you rolled down the hill a couple of times, but I okay. rolled you up. Well, to we're going to do we're going to do the same thing then. <laughs> it's not easy to keep a, a a big man on his back if he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, it's, you know, it takes a lot of skill, even when you're big, you know, because it's just their ability to use, especially early in the fight, not later on in the fight, but early in the fight. Not easy to do. And the one thing that I really love that I saw out of Almeida, the movement that he has, he doesn't try to hold a bad position. He moves himself. He feels this is getting bad. Let me move. And he moves himself, and it becomes a better position. And that's what you want to see out of guys that are going to use the ground as their way to get a win. And he's doing that. He he kept a very big, strong guy, a guy that is a good wrestler, comes from you know a, a background of wrestling and made him look like he didn't know how to get anywhere on the ground. I was really impressed by Almeida. That's the you know third fight in a row that I've watched that I go, man, this guy could be somebody. John, when you start putting heavyweights that can grapple or wrestle, not many can. That whole, that whole division's on notice right now. I mean, yeah. I know he's got a long ways to go. He's going to have sure. to build up. He's going to get some you know more higher-ranked fighters, but... The way he dominated that fight last night, everywhere. He dominated everywhere. Rolling the wrist, putting the heavy pressure, mount, back, like landing some strikes, you know, passing half guard. Like he was just all over him. Yeah. And he just dominated the position. You start putting him against guys like like us like a serial gone. Like you know, make fun of like a Tom Aspinall, him and Tom Aspinall, because Aspinall's good off the, on the ground as well. I know Tom's gonna come back. But I'm talking down the line, you guys. Not next fight, not two fights. Oh. Give him like three or four more fights. But this new, younger, hybrid uh, heavyweight is more athletic, is also eager to learn the ground game, eager to learn some wrestling. The older heavyweights were all about just knockouts. Let's just knock you out if I can't. They're the, Not to take anything away from them, they're the Derek Lewises. They're the Rosenstrucks. They're the... They're the guys that, okay, I've got big power. I'm going to stand with you. Take Getting takedowns is too much effort. That's the past. You're seeing now. You're seeing the, the Cyril Gons. You're seeing the Tom Aspinalls. You're seeing the Almeidas. You're seeing this new generation of fighters. Bellator has Moldovsky. I know Brian Bader's older, but he can wrestle. Moldovsky's that younger, hybrid uh, type uh, 
type uh, heavyweight. Um, that's what you're going to start seeing, I believe, in this heavyweight division. You're going to start seeing more of them than you than you are from the old days of the heavier belly sticking over the, the pants kind of hey, thing. Why watch uh, that belly talk, man. <laughs> belly is nothing but a large casting yes yes (laughs) that's always running on empty by the way (laughs) gotta fill it um but almeida i look i look for him to if he can make sure that his wrestling stays on track growing the wrestling and then utilizing that top position that grappling he's kind of a replacement for verdum if you think about it right yeah like you know the heavyweight division always had verdum and they had someone that was a good grappler noguera a good grappler you know, that just was good at just implementing their game plan, dominating people from the top position, getting submissions or pulling guard, and then hitting the submissions from there. Almeida is someone who I think is going to be a top position type uh, fighter where he just dominates you from the top once he gets you down. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where, how much, how high he's able to go. What's the ceiling on him in the heavyweight division? Because I think it's going to be pretty high. Yeah. Cody Stamen got the win. I'm going to go to Israel Bonfim against Terrence McKinney because this was the fight that I really looked at. and I had watched Bonfim fight before and was really impressed by him. But this being his first fight in the UFC in front of that crowd, it's like, well, Terrence McKinney being very fast, being explosive. I go, I really thought people I was watching the fights with, you know, they say, you know, who's going to win this? I go, well, if it's in the first round, Terrence McKinney, if it goes past the first round, I think Bonfim's going to win it. Right? It kind of kind of went that way, and boy, I'll tell you what, Bonfim just kept bringing it and stepping it up. And as that fight was going on, Terrence McKinney was having more and more problems. Terrence McKinney is a dynamite athlete, but he's going to have to figure out how to control himself in the fight to where he's not, he's overthrowing all the time, Josh. He's missing the target at times. It's putting him out of position, and that's where Bonfim was really doing a lot of damage was with some of those you know, extensions that were out of position. He ended up getting touched, and they just started to wear him down. The, the knockout was just, it was beautifully done. Mm. You know, was, That switch knee was a fantastic attack. But it was after he had, he had rocked him with the hands, knocked the mouthpiece out. I mean, this kid looked great. Mm. I didn't know Terrence McKinney wrestled at my alma mater, man. He wrestled in North Idaho College yeah. up there. Trevor Prangley wrestled there. Mike Whitehead wrestled there. Um, I mean, there was a lot of top-level wrestlers that wrestled out of there. I know that DC had went up there on a recruiting trip. He had told me several times that that was um, he was thinking about going there. He ended up going to Colby College, I think is where he went, uh, junior college. <clears throat> um, I thought, John, I'm not going to lie, man. I never heard of, I never heard of either one of these Bonfine guys. <laughs> so when when I when I had never seen was, Gabriel, but I'd I, watched I'd watched his brother in I, Ismail. I never heard of either one of these guys. And yeah. so when I was like, Oh, Terrence, if he can get he's probably gonna get to be able to get him out of there in the first round, use the speed, use the reach, you know, the athleticism, all those things, stuff to take down, touch him with the hands. Terrence got some uh he's got some power in his hands. Mm-hmm. He's got good wrestling if he needs to get this fight to the ground. It wasn't even it wasn't even an option. It wasn't an option. Like he just his wrestling was it was it was good, but he couldn't get the fight to the ground. He wasn't able to to control that top position if he did get it to the ground. He was the fighter that he didn't utilize his wrestling until he was already in trouble. Now Bonfim, where I wanna I'm gonna pat him on the back and do all these things about him. He stayed composed and he stayed loyal to what his where his hands were. He never let his hands get out there, out and about. Like you said with Terrence McKinney, missing strikes, 
loading up, overextending himself, all of those things. Bonfin didn't do that. He just stayed loyal to where he was. He remind me a little bit of um uh what's the one that just uh geez man. He just had a great performance. Short, stocky guy. Uh I think he fought at 135. Oh gosh. Who did he just he just he just knocked somebody out. You're killing me. Tut, uh tattoos from Georgia. He's from Georgia. The country. <laughs> oh I, well, uh, uh, t- uh, Marab is the one that you think of one thirty five no, no, from Georgia. No, 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 no. Um, gosh, just fought like one or two fight cards ago. Mm. I think it was the last fight card he fought. He fought in the last fight, anyways. Umar? No, no, no. Talks a lot of shit. Uh, from jo- gosh, talks a lot of shit. Uh, here's here's the card. Where's that? Where's, where's yeah? Where's yeah? Where's yeah? I wonder if it's the last fight card. No, it's not that one then. Damn it. Scroll back up. Um, let me see. Ah, uh, t- t- I think it starts with a T. Make it bigger. I can't see it. Uh, <laughs> he just fought. It had to have been on the last fight card, I think. It had to be the last one. Yeah, I think it was the last one. Anyways. He reminds me of him. Bonfim reminds me of him. Scroll. He's at the top. He's someone that was fighting. Not Danny. Dun, 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 dun. Gosh, where you lost he? me on that one, dude? Yeah, you, you would know Tapuria. Oh, he reminds me a little bit of Tapuria. The way he he's stays a forty-fiver. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Damn it. Anyways, <laughs> I couldn't get it going. <laughs> you guys, calm down. CTE. Okay, I'm gonna use that all the way every single time I can. Um, it really just came down to he remind me of Tapuria. Just stay. He came. He came aggressive. Punches came straight down the line, and then he loaded up with some shots, and he came back into just being loyal with his defense. I just saw a little bit of that that aggressiveness, that confidence, that that machismo look out of him that I saw in Tapuria. Just like, no, no, you can't beat me. I'm gonna walk you down. I don't care if you hit me with something. And he just systematically picked uh, McKinney apart, man. He yeah. was just touching him and touching him and then just started mixing up. That fly knee was beautiful. Beautiful. Unbelievable. All right. Nicholas Dalby had a great fight against Warley Alves. I actually I thought that was a good uh, – glad the two judges gave it to Nicholas. He really came on. Nice third round. Other than that, yeah. Yeah. Jose Nunez really, man, fought in in fighting. Uh, Farron Dos Santos, man, she's going against someone had reach, had all the attributes that we're looking at, knew how to use them, and she just said, "I don't care. I'm going to walk into you, and I'm going to beat you down." And she ended up taking a fight that she never should have won. As far as you're taking a look at the two fighters, but she won it on heart. She won it on guts, and good for her, man. All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our two UFC 283 talk. Let's go ahead and jump into some news. What do you got for us, Podcast Dave? Let's just pick All out right. a couple of stories. Yeah, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I have two PCs surrounding Francis and uh, Ngannou and Tyson Fury. Um, it's kind of like a combo, but also separate. Mm-hmm. Um, combo. <clears throat> we have a ton of um, fight announcements, right? So what we're going to do is, um, since we have, uh, I kind of looked over the upcoming UFC card for next weekend, um outside of the main event you know uh, not a ton of but not a ton of like big fights to mention so we'll save these fight announcements to get you guys previews on these fight announcements um in the midweek show 
So make sure you guys have that bell clicked so you guys know when that midweek show drops. We'll cover like the Valentina announcement and a ton of other fights that were announced as well. We'll put those in the midweek show for you guys. We'll talk about Francis and Tyson on this show. Sound good? John's drinking a fucking monster at 9 in the morning there. (laughs) 8 or 9 in the morning. What time is it there? 8? 8 a.m. 8 a.m. He's got a monster. I'm out of coffee. (laughs) My coffee's gone, man. Look at my cup. Jeez. Nothing in it. Oh, buddy. I'm I'm over here drinking herbal tea. One of us is healthy and one of us is not. Nah. (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead and get into some news. Go ahead, Dave. All right. So uh, let me just... um, Touch on the Francis thing. Francis made some comments. I definitely want your reaction on it, but I'll just include the Tyson Fury comments as well, all in one thing, and then you guys can separate it and talk about it how you want. Okay, okay. so here we go with the Francis thing. Um, Francis, in an interview um, uh, regarding the John Jones and Cyril Gunn fight announcement, said, I want to share my excitement for the heavyweight fight between John Jones and Cyril Gunn. It's going to be a very exciting fight. I'm going to be watching that fight, but... We all know the term undisputed means nothing here. Yes, it really means nothing, but I will still be excited watching that fight. Um, so that was Francis' Francis's comments regarding uh, that title fight. Um, here are comments from Tyson Fury uh, about the potential of a fight with Ngannou. Uh, Tyson says, Francis Ngannou, I know you're out of, the, out of contract with the UFC. Want to earn some big boy money? Come and see the Gypsy King. Let's do a big, big fight for the baddest mf on the planet. Let's kick it up, spicy. In a cage, four-inch gloves under Queensbury rules, and let's have a badass referee like Iron Mike Tyson. But is it, there's no difference for him if it's a, in a cage. Cage doesn't make a difference for Tyson Fury. He does bounce off the ropes a little bit. He does. He does kind of like. Into those. He does lean into, into them a little bit. It will make yeah. a little bit of a difference. A yeah, little bit. True. And the four-ounce four gloves will definitely, definitely make a difference. Make a difference. Huge difference because the ability, the the way he blocks with punches, the way, uh, the way he rolls with punches and blocks punches with his big gloves. I like that. It. Won't that ain't gonna work though? I like that it. Ain't gonna work. The fact that he's even open to this, I fucking everything. love him. Oh yeah, I love him. Tyson Fury is hands down my favorite fucking boxer right now. Just <laughs> I fucking hands down. He's my not just because of this. He's he's been my favorite for a little bit because I love the way he the way he rose up like the fucking Undertaker after he got knocked oh, down by Wilder. Twelfth round. After that, Ooh. I was like, this guy, this guy, he's a fucking dog. I love this guy. <laughs> after that, the rest is history, man. He's so fun. Um, good for him. I hope it does happen. Um, the fact that he's bringing this up, I love the fact that he said big boy money. Because, I mean, if he he will. He will make some big boy money. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be. It'll probably be about 15. I say 15 to 18. Somewhere in there. 18 okay. million. 15 to 18 million. It's not going to be no Conor McGregor 50 to 100 million. It won't be that. But it'll be oh, close it won't to. Be 100 million. But I th- you know. it'll be somewhere, I would say, like you said, between 15 and 30. Yeah. I could see up to 30. I mean, depending on the, the buys. I think depending on sponsors. I think depending on whatever it is. I'm sure there's some side deals they can work to make a lot more money on. Uh, but Francis will bring in some sponsorship money, which will, which will be up in the in the millions. Yep. You know, uh, I mean, I, I've noticed some uh, fuck. I've noticed some some big companies that are coming in that you would have never thought uh, that would be sponsoring fighters and athletes. Right. You've got OnlyFans sponsored Agent McKee in in in, uh, in Japan, and then you also have their sponsor NASCAR as well and Formula One. So look for them to start probably start getting there, getting wet. Andy Andy Ruiz, Andy fought, Ruiz uh, in boxing. Yeah, yeah, Andy Ruiz in boxing. So. They're trying to change. I think it sounds like they're trying to change the um, 
the look of, of their company and then they're putting their money behind athletes, athletes and fighters. So, uh, and, and sports. So that'll be good. Anyways, I'm looking forward to this fight. If it does happen, big boy money, baby, big boy money. All right. Next. Um, so did you have any comments you want to make regarding the, um, we just Francis comments about it? No, I mean, Fra Francis understands that he, he left as the, the champ and, He's going to take a little jab because, you know, John Jones, we consider the, if he does beat Cyril, Cyril would consider. Here, here, here's the, the problem. And the, here's the problem. And, he, and this is where he's so right. Because <laughs> Francis Ngano beat Stipe Miocic to win the title. Okay. And I, I, I remember because I, I had said something about, look, he's 36, but he hasn't been damaged. And someone brought up the uh, Stipe Miocic first fight. And I go, he didn't get damaged in that. He was exhausted in it because he got out-wrestled, but he didn't get damaged. His pride got damaged. Yeah, his pride his and ego, ego got damaged, but he didn't get damaged. But he comes back and he beats Stipe, knocks Stipe out. He beats Cyril Gnon. The only one he hasn't fought is John Jones. So in all of these, and this is where the media and, and everything, you look at it, Josh, and you go, oh, Really? Because now Francis should be number one on everyone's list at heavyweight, right? Now that he's not with the organization, the UFC, as soon as Cyril Gon or John Jones wins that fight, who's going to be number one? Is it going to be Francis Ngannou? Uh-oh. Oh, and that's not only in the UFC's rankings. Yeah. And this is where you go, you people suck mm -hmm. because see, you're not being honest. You're being a fucking follower. You're being sheep in saying, Oh, this is the organization that, you know, we're going to say is the number one fighter. Look, he's right. He's still there. And yes, he can't fight these guys because he won't sign a contract with the UFC based upon what they want. They won't sign a contract with him based upon what he wants. Okay, but it takes nothing from what he's done as a fighter or who he is as a fighter. And the fact that he's going to drop, he's going to drop faster than Benil Dariush, who keeps winning and keeps going down. Okay. Uh, so strange to me. <laughs> but that's what you're going to see when oh, the guy is still the same guy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, because you're supposed to keep the rankings the way that they are for 15 months. Now, just because he's well, not in the Well, unless UFC, someone beats him. Yeah, unless someone beats him. I mean, unless in his inactivity, I'm sure people are working up. And, but he's, the, he's considered to be the champ in the UFC. Or the under, he is the undisputed champ in the UFC. And was he's not fighting there anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They should be making – they should still keep him at that at that number one spot. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. we'll see. Look, I'm going to put it back into the media's hands and we all know how well that goes. So, all righty. Let's, uh, what else is there, Dave? We'll wrap up on that. I wanted to give a little honorable mention of my boy, Bob Cook. John, Bob Cook is back in the game. He is working over at Kill Cliff with all the fighters over there as well. He joined with Henry Hoof uh, and some other guys in the management team. And they are out there working with... Uh, Tufik Mosayev, 
Logan Storley and all the other fighters that are out of that Jason out of that Jackson. gym. There's Jason Jackson. There's a ton Michael of fighters Chandler. in that gym. I can go. I can go through Just, them all. Dude. But he has joined that that uh, that team out there. He's out there right now helping some of those guys get ready. So that is going to be a great addition to that Kill Cliff team, that Kill Cliff gym with Henry Hooft and um, Craig Jones and all those guys out there. So um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great for that for all of them. So that is best a of good luck. Thing. You can't get any better as far as a person than Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob is a great guy. Very humble. Very uh, very stupid in that he still spars with people that knock the shit out <laughs> of him. And I love him. He's I want to say one thing that we didn't cover. Jose Aldo being oh. put into the UFC Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Absolutely. Definitely deserved. No doubt about it. The guy was a legend who freaking from the WEC and all the fights that he had there, smashing people, coming into the UFC. Yes, he was handed that belt at that time because he was the WEC featherweight champion and there was no UFC featherweight champion, and he kept that belt for all that time until finally when Connor was able to beat him. But, man, this dude has been an absolute stud. He is a legend in the sport. He absolutely deserves that. Congratulations on the UFC putting you exactly where you belong in their Hall of Fame. He, for me, will always go down as the greatest featherweight of all time. I don't right want to say people want to say Max. People want to say Connor. People, uh, no, I'm sorry. Jose Aldo was doing it before it was cool, and he was doing it all the way up until it was cool. And then he decided, you know what? I'm going to go down in another weight class and try to do it there. The guys, and he's always carried himself with, so much respect and just such dignity great great person great human being um i'm glad that he is he's going in i mean he should have been as fast as possible which is what they're doing and i'm thankful uh to ever be a part of watching him fight man he has been high flying non-stop action just devastating striker hard to take down fantastic fantastic athlete and just an all-around great human being so congratulations to you in the hall of fame well, John, that's going to wrap up our show today. Go ahead to WayneAndMerch.com. Pick up some of our hoodies. We've got plenty of hoodies that are out there. We've got some long sleeves, some hats, some short sleeves. we got it all available with some new merch, new designs at WayneAndMerch.com. Also, smash that subscribe button. Hit that hit that little thumbs up. That new algorithm is saying that the thumbs up is the way to go. So hit that thumbs up for us. We want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast. And I'm sorry about my raspy-ass voice today, but I was... Seven hours, six hours, seven hours yesterday of coaching kids. Man, you never wanted to yell. You were yelling so, yelling so much. I had a headache after like four or five matches, man. It's stressful. It is. It is. It's stressful. But it's so, fun. but uh, thank you guys for continuing to support our podcast and please share our material out there. Post our videos out there. Tag us in it. We will retweet, repost all of those things that you guys post. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. And John, take us away. For everyone out there, thank you for tuning in. We will see you.